everybody. It's great being together two days in a row. You know, it's always good to see family. It was a great time last night celebrating all that God has done the last 12 months of the church here. Uh, God has truly given us a fantastic family. And the thing about family is, is you can't just choose to be a part of a family. Um, you know, you can, you can try and have dinner at somebody's house enough times that you get adopted in. But, you know, there, eventually there is some kind of decision making that happens. You know, we become part of a family when we're born. Uh, if you are adopted, you're chosen to be part of the family. But there's a special relationship that you have when it is a family. And God's family is the same way. There's initiation rites. You know, sometimes as a ministry, you have people come to church and go, hey, I, I really like what I see here. Where can I sign up to be part of the church? And I'll tell you in 1 Corinthians 12 what the Bible says about this. You know, because when you become a member there, there's initiation. This week in the mail, we got invited uh, to be card holders for the Visa Black Card. Apparently, we spend a lot of money on credit cards, so they want us. And for the privilege of carrying around that carbon black card, um, there's all kinds of benefits, a whole packet. And then I read the part that said, in order to get the Visa Black card, you have to give them $450 for the privilege of getting the Visa Black card. And then each additional card is like $200. So we just tore it up and threw it in the trash. But at least we got an invitation. Um, but, you know, the Bible talks about the initiation to be in God's family. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12 and 13, it says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. You know, Paul says that baptism is the moment that you are added to the body of Christ. That's where you become part of the family. You know, God adopts us as a son or as a daughter. God does the choosing. We don't adopt ourselves in. God does the choosing. That is the moment in time that you become a son or daughter. And so in the church... We call each other brother or sister. You say, why is that? Because we're part of the same family. God is our father. Jesus is our brother. And so now we're spiritual family. And the relationships need to represent that family. You know, I don't even know what credit card it is, but it says, you know, there's a slogan that says, membership has its privileges. You know, it's like... If you want to be part of Privileged Society, all you need is that credit card, apparently. If you just possess it, you're now a member, and there are special privileges that you have as a card-carrying member. You know what? In, in God's family, it's the same way. 
You know, growing up as a kid, I loved my family, but, you know, you'd hear about another family that was taking a trip or doing something cool, and there's times you go, oh, it would be so fun to be a part of that family. You know, I was joking with uh, one of the families, and we were talking about our college-age uh, kids, and I said, you know, they, they come home from school, and you're so happy to see them, and they dump their laundry off, and then they go to other people's homes. Because it's way more fun to be at other people's homes than to be at your home. You know, your home is just boring. But other people's homes are so much more exciting. You know, and I don't get to see as much of the teens or the college students now that my kids live two and 4,000 miles away. But apparently I saw last night that you still visit me when I'm not there and steal my dog and a few other things. Bailey uh, still brings visitors over. But in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible talks about the family of believers. And we're going to start down in verse 19. And it says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. It says a lot of amazing things right here. And it starts, and it says, you're no longer foreigners and aliens. If you've ever been in a foreign country, especially if you don't speak the language, you know what it's like to feel like an outsider. You know, or you, you live in a different part of the U.S. than where you grew up, and your accent gives you away. I'm not from here. And you don't feel a part of things. But when you become part of God's family... All the kind of outsidedness goes away. And now it's family. Now it's fellowship. Now it's citizenship. And, and there's a privilege that goes with it. I remember uh, when each of my sons were born, we were living up in Toronto. And I was born in Iowa, so I'm an American. And um, when they were born, of course, they're Canadian citizens by birth. But I wanted to make sure that their rights were guaranteed to be U.S. citizens. So... With each son, I got to go to the U.S. Embassy, and I had to fill out some official forms, show my passport, and then I had to swear an oath. And at the end of it, then they, they had this kind of fancy speech at the U.S. Embassy. And they're like, your son is now guaranteed all rights and responsibilities as a U.S. citizen. And they give you this really cool you know, certificate, it's foreign citizen born abroad. And that means they can run for president because they're not a naturalized citizen. They're born a citizen, even though it was a foreign country. And, you know, as a dad, I just felt like, this is awesome. My son is now an American. I always told my wife, they're 51% American. I kid her. I tell her, you married me to get in our country. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's a different story. But 
so at the embassy, it was so cool to go in at that moment. He left, and now my son is a citizen. You know what? God has that special moment in store for each one of his children. And before baptism, you're an outsider. God loves you. God cares about you. But you are not his son or daughter. When you come out of the waters of baptism and all your sins are washed away, God says, now you're my son. Now you're my daughter. Come on into the family. You know, the world has so many divisions. Some of us have experienced some pretty painful divisions, whether it was our skin color, whether we grew up rich or poor, maybe on what side of town, what side of the railroad tracks we grew up. We've experienced division. In God's family, it's all about unity. And I love what it says, because it says, In him the whole building is joined together, rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. It says, And you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. You know, God lives by his Spirit in the church, in you. It's his legacy. You know, you pass on the family name through your children and your family values and what you stand for and different customs that you have. They go on from generation to generation and they live on. And, you know, you meet somebody and and you go, oh, you remind me of your parents. You know, it's the same thing spiritually. And God says he lives in you, the church. You know, God's family is not some kind of social club. There's an unbelievable privilege to be in it, to be a part of it. So as you know, you get priority access as a family member. When when you're family, you can do things that non-family members can't do. You know, you you get to cut in line. You know, isn't it cool if you fly, you know, and now the the credit cards that have airline miles attached to them, the ones that if you spend a lot, then you get invited to the Visa black card. You know, now, uh, you know, Citibank, we have that card with American Airlines. And and now when we buy airline tickets, it says priority access. So we don't, you know, we're not platinum or gold or any of that, but we get priority access. And so, you know, all the people with priority access, you get to get on board first, and then you can put your luggage in the overhead bin ahead of everybody else. You know, it's the equivalent of the Southwest Airlines A, uh, you know, 1 to 30 category. That's like the first priority people. You get to pick the best seat. You get the overhead bins, and you're fired up. Go to Galatians chapter 6. The Bible says that being in the family of God means that there's priority access relationally with each other. In Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10, it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest. 
if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know what Paul's telling the church? Hey, we need to love everybody. Let me tell you, you should be at the top of the list. Your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know what, I'll I'll tell you what, this week I especially appreciated the priority access that our family gets as disciples of Jesus Christ. Because as I shared at midweek, we went through uh, an exciting, traumatic experience on Monday, the end of the marriage retreat. My wife was hospitalized for a day. And uh, we got flowers, meals, soups, desserts. And I was especially fired up about desserts. Um... But a lot of encouragement, a lot of support. But you know what? Every single person that brought something by was a busy person. There wasn't one person that brought a meal by or desserts or flowers. They just had nothing else going on that day. But they said, you know what? I love Cheryl. I love Ron. And I want to see Bailey. And so I will come by. I will make time on my schedule. And I'll tell you what, we appreciated it. We were fired up. We were encouraged by it. You know, and that's just the way it ought to be. See, priority access in relationships doesn't mean that if it just happens to be convenient, if I have an open slot, I'll see what I can do. No, 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 that's not what especially those who belong to the family of believers means. That means when you look at your week, you go, who am I going to make time for? Especially disciples of Jesus Christ. Go over to Mark chapter 3. I want to look at Jesus here for a moment. An episode that may surprise you. Mark chapter 3. Verse 31 to 35. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister, and my mother. You say, well, what's going on in the interaction? Jesus' physical family come and interrupts him and wants his attention, his time, his focus. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he says, here's my spiritual family, those who do God's will. You say, wait a second. Jesus put his physical family on hold for his spiritual family? Jesus prioritized his spiritual family? Jesus dissed his physical family? How unloving is it? You know, there are multiple times recorded in Scripture where Jesus prioritized 
his spiritual family over his physical family. We know his mom became a disciple. Multiple brothers became disciples. You say, I'm not going to fault the Lord. You know, the fact is there's times in our life where we need to value our Christian commitment even more than our physical family. You say, now, Ron, are you trying to say that we're not supposed to love and care and prioritize our physical family? I mean, they're our physical family. We're supposed to love them. Oh, yeah. But sometimes the most loving thing you can do for your physical family is show them the value of your Christian life. So I got a question for you. You have children. Which do your children think comes first? God and your commitment to him or them? I'm not asking if you love them. I'm asking which comes first. You have a similar type of question. Which comes first, your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your kids? You want to damage your kids? Teach them that the world revolves around them. Teach them that they come first. You will mess them up for the rest of their life. You know why? Because the world doesn't revolve around them. And as soon as they get out in the real world and figure that out, they are crippled to function as a citizen in society because you taught them the world revolves around them. There better be things more important to you than your kids. And that doesn't mean your kids are unimportant. Jesus loved his family. But there are times... Well, your physical family needs to know that God in your Christianity comes first. And they may not like it, but I promise you this. They will draw tremendous security from the integrity that you display over a life lived out. I want you to think about that one for a moment. You know, we call each other brothers and sisters. Say, what does that mean? You know, there's a commitment that goes with it. And Ephesians chapter 4 talks about these relationships. And Paul's talking about the body of Christ. And Paul's talking about the different relationships and how we all work together to be connected. And he starts in uh, verse 14 and he says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is in Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Say, who's responsible in the body of Christ? All of us. 
Who needs to be a ligament? All of us. Each one of us has work to do. And it's part of maturing as a Christian. You know, the, the annual banquet last night was awesome. I just sat down and made a, made a quick list of each part doing its work. Felix loaded the gear and brought it in the trailer. Aaron and Lashana did all the work with the drinks and the ice. The Lesnicks did all the setup of the tables, the chairs, and the centerpieces. Claudine did the desserts, and Lisa Davis helped her. The Dirds did registration. Carolina Felici shared her life and her heart. The teens made a video. Mike made a video in his group. Cheryl made two videos. The Vances did the polka. Nate and Samantha made pictures. Ethan did Gangnam Style. Oh, yeah. The singles, campus, and teens helped set up. Augustine did sound. Everybody cleaned. Everybody ate. Nate Samantha took pictures. I mean, Elizabeth and the crew helped set up the tables. I mean, and that's just a quick list. It was amazing. At 9 o'clock, everything was cleared out. And you know what the workers said? This is incredible. I won't have to be here till midnight cleaning up. You guys did all the work for me. They're amazed by the group. You know, it wasn't one person. Everybody was helping out. It was a family event. It was awesome. You know, that's what ligaments do. We're all connected. We're all helping. We're all serving each other. Who do we serve? Each other. It's a great family event. Are you a ligament? Say, what's that mean? Are you connected? You know, there's a difference between being an attender and being a ligament. You know, I remember as a kid going to family reunions. You remember those? You know, and there's certain parts of your family you're fired up to a reunion with, you know, and then other parts that all you think is they smell funny. <laughs> Their house smells weird. How long do we have to go? And the whole time you're there, you're just like, oh, gosh. Can we go now? Can we go now? You know, and your parents are like, they are family. And you're like, yeah, okay. You're there, but you're not there. And then you grow up as a kid. And then you go to these reunions and you start thinking things like, you know, these are family. I wouldn't exist if it wasn't for family. And I bet they got really interesting stories to tell. And you start asking them questions about their life. And you start learning all this really cool stuff. And then you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then eventually you start going, hey, I'm excited to see them. I haven't seen them in a long time. You know, one part of our family, we had a family reunion at a dude ranch in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You know what the big family competition was? Horseshoe throwing. And I got to tell you, I have about 30 family members that were all over 60 that were trying to throw a ringer every single time. I mean, you know, they, they throw the shoe and it does the exact same turn. You know, I was hoping to get near the post. 
we went salmon fishing and horseback riding in the mountains, but it was just really cool to be with them. You know, as a little kid, I wouldn't appreciated that. Why? Because I was immature. I would be with family, but I wasn't connected. I didn't really care. We can be a church attender and not be a ligament. Say, are you connected? And when you're connected, you just enjoy being together. You know why I did the banquet last night? Because it's fun. Say, we didn't have like a life-changing lesson. You know, there wasn't a new deep spiritual insight. It's just fun to be together. You know, you know why Mike's group made their video? Well, there are a lot of reasons why. I told Rachel today, I go, Rachel, just so you know, it never gets old. I said, if I saw you do that dance every year at the banquet video, I would never get tired of it. And she goes, we're beating a dead dog. I said, oh, the dog is alive and kicking. You say, what was the spiritual purpose? I like being together. It's fun when the family's together. You know, when, when you're connected, you do things simply for the purpose of being together. And we just came off a great marriage retreat. We had three awesome lessons, two on Saturday afternoon and one on Sunday starting at 11. And so from about 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon to 11 a.m. Sunday, it was just wide open. You know why? For the husband and wife to be together. Now, what kind of marriage retreat would it be if we said, no, we're going to have 10 lessons? You know, bring a bag lunch because we'll take a 15-minute dinner break. But we're going to start at noon, and we're going to midnight. And then we're getting up at 6 a.m., and we're cranking through more material because we got a lot we want to pack in. I don't care if it's the best material you ever heard. You would not be fired up to go to that marriage retreat. You know why? Because what you look forward to is just, just being together, especially if you have kids, being together without kids. We Kids, we love you. But we love being without you in a marriage retreat, too. You know, what do you do just to be together with your friends? I like bike riding. Golf. Dinner. Or lunch. Or breakfast. Or brunch. Or late night pizza, fishing, going to movies, Halo 4, that was, you know, make sure the teens are with me, shopping, you know, I don't know what's on your list, 
But what do you do just to be together? Or somebody goes, well, why'd you get together? Well, it's because I like being with them. You see, that's who your friends are. The spiritual purpose is being together. It's being connected. It's all about friendship. Did you make time in your schedule for that? Remember what Paul says? Especially those who belong to the family of believers. So what's your schedule look like? You know, you can be around people all week long and be lonely and disconnected. Are you connected? So are you willing to do what you need to do to get connected? You know, sometimes you feel like, hey, life's pretty good and I feel connected and I feel locked in relationally. And then there's other times where you go, I just don't feel close to the people I used to feel close to. Let me tell you what to do. Make time in your schedule. And do not do this. Hey, yeah, we ought to get time soon. Yeah, we ought to. Cool. Because you know what that is? Nothing. You know, if you're married with multiple kids and you want to get time with another married with multiple kids person, it might take two or three weeks to schedule dinner together. But get it in the schedule. But sometimes we go, yeah, I just feel disconnected. And then we go, "Uh uh-huh. Well, hopefully this week will be different. No, it won't. It will only be different if you decide to make it different. Make time in your schedule. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is say no to other things. So that you free up your schedule to connect. So we need to be connected. We need to be ligaments in each other's lives. Because that's how the body of Christ builds itself up as each part does its work. All of us are responsible for all of us. Let's do our part. I'm going to go back briefly to the concept of uh, citizenship. You know, citizenship is bigger than being diverse. Because when you're a citizen... All the other stuff doesn't matter. You know, you just kind of think a certain way. It's like I remember in the Vancouver Winter Olympics, we had a little bit of a citizenship issue in our household because um, the hockey gold medal was between Canada and the U.S. And my wife was cheering not for the U.S., Now, I was cheering for the U.S., and she said, Honey, you need to cheer for Canada. And I said, I shall not. I said, Way back in the 80s, I applied for citizenship, and they lost my file for two years and stored it and did this and that, and I never got any standing in Canada. But I'm an American, and I'm cheering for the U.S. And we had a little contention. And I pouted a little bit because the U.S. did not win that game. But, you know, it's like the Olympics is one of those things. 
you like you cheer for your country. Sometimes you cheer for your heritage. You know, there's part of me, I kind of cheer for Norway. Because my grandparents were born there. I've never even been to Norway. But there's a part of me that goes, hey, I got relatives that are Norwegian. Come on, Norway. You better do something good in the Winter Olympics because I know you don't have much hope in the Summer Olympics. But we all kind of think that way. The World Cup is another one of those events that where kind of citizenship comes out. You know, you start seeing different flags. You know, in God's kingdom, citizenship evokes something in a man and woman's heart and life. You think about the values that are represented by our citizenship. Righteousness. You know, we shepherd each other. We value godliness, commitment, and love, and faith. You know, we got all kinds of aunts and uncles in the church. You know, I got a lot more than two kids. I got a lot of spiritual kids and brothers and sisters. A lot of family members. When my kids went through tough spiritual times, most of their life-changing talks were from my friends. It wasn't their peers, although their peers encouraged them a great deal. I was thankful for the family and the church. I was thankful for the common values because, you know, kids grow up and they're like, oh, my parents are, you know, they're just dorky. They don't know very much. But other people's parents are really cool. And that's fine. Because as long as they see Christianity lived out in their life, it has the same impact. You know, Caesar and Rachel, they just flew out to Minneapolis just to spend the weekend visiting my son. Just to go and encourage him. They went and ate a lot of food with him. Caesar went to a football game. Rachel shopped. He said, well, why did they go? Is it because Minneapolis is just beautiful in November? Oh, yeah. No. Just encourage our son. You know, it's like that, that's, that's who we are to each other. We're citizens. We represent something more than how we were raised or what color our skin is or whether we're old, whether we're young, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, you know, whether we're famous or not famous, whether we're highly educated or not. It just doesn't matter. And you put all those values together and you know what you get? A fantastic family. Santa Clarita is an amazing, amazing family. And I appreciate your commitment to family. It's hard to believe. Cheryl and I have been here seven and a half years now. Time flies. And I remember when we first got here, it was a great family then. But, you know, the family was kind of missing some age groups. People came to us and said, Ron, we need a full-time teen minister. 
I said, okay, well, that's going to cost money. Okay, let's do it. So we hired full-time teen ministry leaders. We had Kent and Heather McCain. Now we got Felix and Jill. And we're all fired up about our teen ministry. And you guys came and said, Ron, we need some college students. And we need some young singles. I said, what are we going to do about it? I said, okay, let's work on that. So we worked on building the singles and campus ministry. And then we said, we need ministers for the singles and campus ministry. I said, well, that's going to cost money. And we talked about it as a church. And we saved money for a while. And then we hired Aaron and Lashana. And now our contributions are growing. And now, now we're making budget every week with those hires. You know what's amazing? We're not done building family yet. But i got to tell you, a lot of churches today are just trying to maintain what they have. They go, ah, oh, you know, our family's fine. It's good enough. Say, no, I love Santa Clarita because they want to build family. You say, well, don't you want to have your own building? I would love to have our own building. But you know what I'd love to have more? Bigger family. And I appreciate your faith and I appreciate your commitment. And I love the Santa Clarita Church. You've invested time and energy and money to build family here in Santa Clarita. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, yeah, yeah, we need to do this. And then as soon as you go, yeah, but if we really want to do that, if we really want to build that, it's going to cost money. And then, yeah, yeah. But you made sacrifices. When we look at where God has taken us over the last seven and a half years, it's been an amazing journey. We're not done. But we're building family. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, and you don't have time to read it, but just put that in your notes, verse 14 through 27, talks about the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. It says, God has arranged the parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. God designed you exactly the way he wanted you. And I go, well, I don't like how he did the designing. I would like an upgrade. God says, no, I made you exactly the way I wanted you. Because you're going to fit in a unique role. And the church, you're going to reach out to certain people. You're going to meet certain needs. You're going to function in such a way that the whole body is built up. And if I made you differently, then that need wouldn't be able to be met in the church. See, God has a vision for each one of us. It's a unique role. And we're all desperately needed if we're going to do what God calls us to do. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. You say, how did this all happen? It wasn't without a cost. In Ephesians 2, in verse 12 and following, it says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, 
excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Jesus is what made our family possible. It was not painless. It was an incredible sacrifice. Our family could only have existed with the blood of Jesus making it possible. What we have is special. As disciples of Jesus Christ, God has adopted you as a son or daughter. And as citizens, there's privileges that come with that. But there's also rights and responsibilities. We need to be ligaments. God's calling us to be connected to one another. Jesus didn't die on the cross to leave us lonely and empty. The Christian life is lived out in the body of Christ. Ephesians says it's where God lives by his spirit. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross makes it possible for you and I to live out what we're called to. So let us be grateful for the fantastic family of God. For the privilege that God has given us to be a member, to be a son, to be a daughter. And don't take it lightly. As we take the bread, as we take the fruit of the vine, let's appreciate now the privilege that God has given us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the incredible family you've given us. Uh, it's amazing to think about our, our different walks of life and how you've brought us um, from far to near. And through the blood of Jesus, you've forgiven our sins. You've abolished walls. You've torn down barriers. And now you live through us by your Spirit. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for the family where we get to live out our Christian life. It's amazing the support, uh, the strength, the aunts and uncles, the brothers and sisters, the sons and daughters that you give us. And Father, we want to each do our part. We want to be the ligaments you call us to be. Father, we know what makes it glorious is putting you first and foremost in our life. And Father, as Galatians 6 tells us, helps to do good to all men, but especially those in the family of believers. I thank you for the way you encourage us each and every day through the body of Christ. Thank you for the privilege you've given us, and thank you for the sacrifice. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.